0: listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit Brockportfirstbaptist.org. The scripture reading for today comes from Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, which you can find in your pew Bibles on page 544. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among maidens. As an apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his intention toward me was love. Sustain me with raisins refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. Oh, that his left hand were under my head and that his right hand embraced me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the wild does, do not stir up or awaken love until it is ready. The voice of my beloved. Look, he comes leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise my love, my fair one, and come away. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you,
1: Bridget. Um, I am going to do something a little different, and I'm going to ask for you to join me in prayer one more time. Lord, move me aside. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So we've been talking about a whole lot of intimate things this last couple weeks. Today, some of you may be disappointed, but some of us, me included, I got to breathe a really big sigh of relief, so join me as I get to talk about creation It's a little different. Um, I have never blushed so much in church, even when I preached on Leviticus. So I'll just leave that. Um, I am going to pull up that diagram of Adam that we've been using. Um, We have been so far through Song of Songs. We've talked about the healing of our relationship with God and how our desire should be for him. We've talked about the humanity and the relationship with our spouse and partner and the relationship with ourselves. So that leaves me with the earth. Throughout the entirety of Song of Songs, we get this beautiful earth and creation imagery. Vineyards, flocks, goats, sheep, mares, doves, rose of Sharon, lily of the valleys, apple trees, forests, and on and on and on, fair as the moon, bright as the sun, majestic as the stars. We get all of these pictures throughout this book. In its entirety, it evokes these striking images of our beautiful Earth. More specifically, it evokes the geography and the flora and fauna of Israel specifically. The land is not only the setting for this love encounter, it becomes an object of love, especially as the perfumed mountains and lush fields of Israel are at times identified with the lovely bodies. God is at work calling the Israelites back, using the images and the animals that they have been in and around, or possibly have only heard from the older generations. What I find interesting is that we never actually get a clear picture of what these people look like, but we really get a clear picture of what they were around and what they saw and what the gardens possibly looked like. Song of Songs was probably composed when many Israelites were actually scattered in foreign countries. There's an indirect implication here that we might miss to the Israelites who this was originally written for, God is showing them that the land of Israel remains an object of his love and may very well provide the encouragement they needed and possibly provide a focal point for national and religious identity. Remember, this was a song. It was probably being sung at weddings and festivals. This love of land and of humanity and Jerusalem is seen throughout the entire Old Testament and it's so beautifully used here in this poem. Song of Songs has a unique context, being so passionate and points so well to the healing of the deepest wounds in our created order and even the wounds in God's own heart made by human sin. We see the natural world rejoicing with the man and the woman as told by this poet. So, what do we think? What else do we think that this creation imagery is meant to get us thinking about? Any ideas? Any other gardens, especially? The Garden of Eden, thank you. Uh, It's the first meeting place recorded between God and humanity. It's a holy space and a forerunner to the temple as the meeting place between God and Israel. And really, this garden is a precursor to how God chooses to meet with us now through the Holy Spirit. We're going to jump into Genesis and read uh, where this relationship with creation began. So Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. So the original intention for us and the land was to till and keep. However, the Hebrew word till here was a word that usually is not used in agriculture terms at all. And it's usually um, translated as serve. Serve. We were to serve the land as it serves us and animals with food. We were also to keep it. This Hebrew word is also translated as observe, watch, and preserve. So the original intention of humanity and the garden was for us to serve, observe, and preserve the land. When this relationship broke, we see next the curse that happened because of it. From Genesis 3, verses 17 and 18, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. The ground became cursed. So no more lush food for the picking, No more ease of serving the land, enter in toil. The word toil literally means hardship and pain. Through Levitical law, we see God trying to get the Israelites to serve their land well, but this relationship remains broken. And if you look around, you've seen that, I don't know as you could say, we've been serving and observing and preserving the land well still today. If you've ever had a relationship with a farmer, the process can still be toilsome. You know that they watch the weather carefully, they read predictions, they work hard to decide which plants are going where to what they will be planting near it, the fertilizer they choose, the tractors that they purchase and maintain. The list goes on and on. There is much pain and hardship then when the crops do not yield what they were expected. We're seeing this in real time right now in California with all the rains. If you are a blackberry and raspberry lover as we are at home, we're going to see this in our supply chain this year. So what are we supposed to do? What value can this portrait of a lovely land through Song of Songs, and knowing that this poem is calling us toward healing these relationships, what does this do for us today as Christians thousands of years later? I wanna propose that one indispensable function of this song can serve right now to remind us that loving attachment to land both our particular homes as well as the earth that we share with other living creatures that this taking care of is actually a religious obligation. Remember that the intention in the garden between God and humanity was for us to serve and observe and preserve This idea that we're to serve the land and that it does not serve us and us alone sometimes seems to be profoundly challenging for this post-industrial nation. We have this egocentric mastery of the earth, the idea that we were given dominion and we have innate rights to do with it what we want. This is a perversion of what the biblical message really tells us. God does not command us to do something for his own good, though. God knows what's best for us and calls us. He calls us toward healing and wholeness every single time. Song of Songs calls for this full reversal of the cursing of this fertile soil after those, the first human disobedience. We see in verse 11 that winter is past and in verse 12 we see the singing has come we should be back to living in this ideal Edenic paradise but we are not humanity has not done a return to the land this relationship has not been restored so how do we do that i will not propose to have all the answers today but I do want to give you guys somewhere to start. So first, I want to see you fall in love with creation again. Like a small child running through the fields, we worship the creator. But man, I am in love with his creation deeply. I want you all to experience this just a little. God loves his own earth well, and we need to share in this love. Not only the people, we all know how much I love the people, um, but the earth and the animals that he has given to us to share and keep watch over. John 3.16, often a verse that talks about how God sent his son to die for humanity, actually says, for God so loved the, the, world. the world. Absolutely. God is in the business of restoring all of creation, not just the people. And when we're not taking good care of creation, the people suffer. I'm going to share a few more verses that shows us this relationship between God and creation. Genesis 1:31 says God saw everything that He had made, and indeed, it was very good. Psalm 24, verses one and two, says, "The earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it, for He has founded it on the seas." and established it on the rivers. Psalm 96, 11 and 12 says, Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy the lists that i found these on are very long so be happy i stopped at three i could go on a long time that describes this relationship god loves the world and the world loves god we need to fall in love with what we have around us all the time Um, if we're friends on facebook if you've ever seen my vacation pictures i take a lot of photos of the nature that I'm surrounded by. Though my destinations typically involve seeing the people who I love and miss terribly, I soak up every second that I can outdoors. Uh, I thought I'd do a little slideshow. I say little. Morgan, Morgan made me stop. She said, that's enough pictures, Mom. <laughs> so just sit back. It'll be 30 minutes of slideshow. I'm <laughs> Um, One thing I realized when I was looking for pictures here, I typed in outdoors. If you have um, an iPhone, I don't know about other phones, but I typed in outdoor in my search bar. I actually take more pictures of the outdoor here in the like 20-minute drive from here than I really do on vacation, so there's some in there too. And the other thing I noticed, which probably isn't shocking to those who know me well, is I have a lot of pictures of sunshines. <laughs> a whole lot of pictures of sunshines. So I'm sharing a lot of them because I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. Um, all right. <laughs> so, and what I also found really fun is I really thought that I didn't love this area. And I was really disappointed when we moved back here I have fallen so deeply in love with Western New York, and I think that you'll be able to see why. Um, so obviously Niagara Falls and Letchworth, big, big deal stuff. All right, next slide. So what do we have here? We have Sedona on the left, and I, I think that that's Stony Brook on the right. I don't actually remember where I took that picture. Um, if you click again, Shauna so that's right on lake ontario in the winter there's beauty year-round here and then i don't know where this is at all i know it's within 20 minutes i want to say it's clarendon possibly is it i hear somebody saying it is okay next and now we have a whole lot of sunsets and sunrises you can just keep This is in Florida. This is, uh, I take this picture every single year that we go with my parents. This is 20 minutes from their house. Yep, mean, keep going. This is from camping, another one from camping. Uh, This is in Mexico. And so I would still call this a sun picture because the sun is setting, but I just loved that moon and uh, it was gorgeous. Right, this is in Kendall. I have no clue where I took this. But it's Gary's truck, so it can't be too far. Uh, This was, again, when we were camping. I have a tendency to uh, chase after sunrises and sunsets. This one's on the canal. This was two minutes from here. Um, And this one I literally chased. I saw it coming down, it was during, um, it was right after a wedding. It was in the middle of summer. And I just saw the colors starting to shift and I was like, where am I gonna go? I need to go somewhere and just experience this. And I ended up pulling over on the side of the road and two more people, pulled over with me, and we just sat there, had this amazing conversation about how good God is, that he would give us these opportunities to experience his creation. And this one, this might be my favorite. And again, no idea where I took it. Somewhere over Lake Ontario, and those purples, oh, I don't know if you noticed, but purple's my favorite color. I feel closer to God outdoors than in any other location. I've had God show up in ways that are just indescribable through his use of color, texture, smells, and sights, sounds, and the wind. The world that he has created around us is amazing. So this one time, I have told a few of you this story. I was in the desert a little over a year ago. I was really struggling about what I'm supposed to do next in my life, I've already figured this out, because I was directed by one of my friends who's a pastor. She sent me to this park, and she's like, she's like, I'm not into those labyrinths, but I think I've heard that there might be one near this park somewhere, and I was just like, done. So when I travel to Arizona, I get up at like 3 in the morning. It's not on purpose, it's just that I get up at 4 here. And so when I'm there, it always frustrates my friends, because I'm like, can I just use your car? And I'm going to chase the sunrise, and I'm going to go see what I can find. So I went to this desert. And I parked and I started hiking. I uh, crested the mountain just as the sun was peeking up and you can't see it quite in this picture i'll show you one closer but there is a labyrinth in that bottom right corner and i just lost my mind i was so excited so i hiked on down and i was able to spend an hour in the middle of the desert with just god and i and it was amazing and i wish i could spend that kind of time with god every day um, I also like talking and sharing about my experience with the Grand Canyon. It, we lived in Arizona for 10 years, and I think it took us five years to get up there. Because the people who we were around that grew up in the area, they were like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> I shouldn't have listened to them for five years. Um, so I have pictures from my most recent, but I want to set it up a little. So when you're driving to the canyon, you are in high desert. If anybody has anybody else been, oh good. So you'll know what I'm talking about. It's flat and it's boring, and it's brown. And you really you think to yourself, "Is there going to be something really cool at the end of this or not? You pay a lot of money, you get into the park, and you keep driving. And it keeps being gross. And then you see a parking lot sign. And you're like, OK, I guess I'll stop, because there's got to be something. I've seen the pictures. And you walk through the parking lot. And you, fa- you pass your bathroom. You pass the gift store. And then you kind of see, just through the people, just a little glimpse. And then, and then you know you're in the right place. And you almost run, or at least I did, um, to the edge. And let me tell you, it takes your breath away. It takes your breath away. There's no other thing that I can even compare it to. I don't even have the words to tell you how amazing this experience is. The vastness cannot be captured in pictures. The feelings and the the experiencing of God cannot be fully described. Um, These are cell phone pictures because I went alone. The next slide will show you what I was with, by myself, with all those kids. And so I was a little concerned that Maddox and Mitchell were gonna go through those bars. They didn't, they are here with us today. But but Gary was like, you're going to do what now? And I said, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It was fine. Um, When we go, and we go, and we go, and we go, we never stop and really consider God and his creation this way. It's so easy to forget how small we are. We forget how much God cares for us. It's easy to forget how important it is for us to praise God's name in all things. We forget that at one point, God invited us into intimate relationship in a garden, calling to us, looking for us. In the poem, we see God coming, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills, calling us to God. In the going deeper section this week in your bulletin I invite you to do this in some way around here chase a sunrise if you're a morning person or a sunset if you're not go to Letchworth or Niagara Falls go sit at Holly Falls or Hamlin Beach Find a little creek that's running now that spring has melted the snows. All the little creeks around here are amazing. Take a walk down the canal. No matter the season, there is beauty here all the time. And I want to invite you to reconnect with God in a different, possibly deeper level. There are so many signs of spring that you could go look for as well. When we love God's creation, it makes it a lot easier for us to do the next thing that I am recommending. Take care of it. Uh, I could make it real easy and just say, reduce, reuse, and recycle. But there's far more to it than what we learned as children. First, start doing your research. Try hard to not support companies that don't take their part in taking care of the earth. Knowing that this sermon was coming, I really started to be mindful about where I was shopping. I can become lazy and or too busy to go to the store, and I know how much easier it is to just throw things in my Amazon cart and hit buy now. However, they have become a major contributor to greenhouse gas emissions, on top of all the packaging that comes with the few products that I felt like I needed to just have right in that moment. They have done a great job marketing themselves as conscientious of the environment. However, according to their own sustainability report in 2021, their greenhouse gas emissions ballooned 18%. Every time we make a purchase from any online retailer, we are contributing to this problem. I know that there are some things that we cannot get in person, but I just want to say, if you can, shop local. Um, I did find this flyer uh, for Earth Day from last year with some other ideas in here. Biking more, educating yourself, volunteering to clean things up. Um, let's see what else choosing sustainable seafood there's a lot of ideas Um, another one of the major contributors to greenhouse gas emissions are cows I think Dan has talked about that in here before as well and the industrial meat production is creating a huge problem so that can be something else that you can look at The UN actually just released a report this week, which I thought was quite good timing, um, with the reality of what our climate change is doing to the earth. Temperatures have risen uh, 1.1 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. This has resulted in more frequent and intense extreme weather events. Have you all noticed? which is in turn has caused increasingly dangerous impacts on nature and people in every region of the world. I am praying for Mississippi and Alabama that just had something like 15 tornadoes touched down. We are going to see, this isn't an if. we are going to see climate driven food and water insecurity. The UN suggests the only way to get this trend to stop going up is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 50% in seven years. That's huge. Um, for the first forward this week, I will include a link in case you guys are interested in reading the whole report. So with all this being said, my third point is Don't get overwhelmed. (laughs) We can't save the world on our own. God is not asking us to do that. But we also cannot expect change to happen by some really great politicians or an awesome crew of lobbyists. We need to do our part. So I want you to take time with God and creation this week on that walk I talked about. Pray. Ask God what they are telling you to do. Maybe it is eating less meat and more vegetables. Maybe you need to invest in groceries with less packaging. I have been trying to get my family to use Tupperware more in their lunchboxes instead of sandwich baggies. So many sandwich baggies when you have three kids packing their lunch. Maybe it's eating less processed foods because processed foods also have chemicals and resources that go into that. Stop using plastic water bottles and get yourself a reusable bottle. Being mindful of drive-through use and waste. Um, I've embarrassed my kids on more than one occasion bringing my reusable bottle in, saying, can I just, I'll buy it, but can I put it in this? because those little things really do make a difference. Maybe you wanna plant trees. Maybe you can shower less, turn the lights off more. Walking to the destination when you can. Not in the middle of winter, probably. I mean, some people do it. I'm not one of those. Um, One of the things that that I have committed to, I drive my kids to and from school And one of the things that I do is I park. There is a huge line of parents in idle, and the amount of greenhouse gases, it's just tremendous. And so I try to park, and then I walk up to their school, and they have to walk with me and they get to talk with me and we get to have a great conversation and sometimes they roll their eyes if it's raining um, and I forced them to do it anyway and I can't say I do it in the middle of winter. I do have a degree limit that I can handle. Um, (laughs) But those little things really do make a difference. And as perfectly timed as it was, there is a sign-up sheet at the Connection Center. Uh, We are, as a church, taking time to participate in some garbage cleanup and planting trees. Did I get that right? Okay. Um, And that could be a way for you to dip your toe into creation care in a way that you might not have done before. God wants us to restore our relationship with the earth but we have to be willing to walk with God in this journey. Remember, Genesis tells us that we were set here to serve, observe, and preserve this land. Song of Songs calls us to adore the earth again. Ask yourself, are we really loving others well when we are not loving the earth well? Join me in prayer. Father God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to meet us where we are right now. We ask that you guide us in how we can better serve each other by serving your earth. We ask for your help to fall a little more in love with your creation each and every day. In your Son Jesus' name we
0: pray. Amen. Thanks for listening.